Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. I'm going to take my text today from John chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then you can rest assured, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Pray with me, Lord, we ask you today, God, that you would just meet us here in a special way. Let your word minister and accomplish exactly what you desire to do. We're praying for strength, God, to be released in this place, Lord, for faith to be released in this house. Lord, this is your place. We are your people and we are examining your word. Have your way and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. I want to say thank you to those that are on the parking lot team. Was it not incredible this morning? Right? Let's give them a hand. It was. It was incredible to show up here in the rain and to be greeted by somebody outside under an umbrella holding a sign that just let me know that I was at the right place. So thank you for doing that. I know that they still need volunteers. If anyone desires to be a part of that team, just please see Brother Robeson and he can make sure and get you set up with more information about that. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. He was speaking to the disciples, talking to them. In this particular time, there was a lot of discussion going on where Jesus was helping them to understand some things that were going to be taking place. He was helping them to understand that he was not going to be with them much longer. And he broke the news to them that I have to go in chapter 13, but you can't come with me right now. He also made them aware that one of the 12 who he had selected, one of the 12 that had been closely knit together with this group that Jesus was ministering to and leading, one of these 12 is going to betray me. He also let Peter know that he is not as strong and as tough as he thinks he is because before it's all said and done, he will deny him three times. They all thought that there was going to be this season coming in where there would be the kingdom restored here on earth to Israel. 
The third would be this time of empowerment where they would regain what had been taken from them here on this present earth. And while Jesus is teaching them in these moments, they're starting to get an understanding that that's not really the case. If he's going to leave us, then he's not going to be able to lead us and be our king here on earth. And so the things all around them, the circumstances of life began to become a little shaky for them. It was weighing on their mind that they didn't truly understand like they thought they understood. That they couldn't quite put their finger on exactly what was going to happen next. And, and the future wasn't certain by any means for them at this time. They just were unsure of things. It's in that place that Jesus says to them, let not your heart be troubled. He speaks to them in that moment when, when things are uncertain. And we know that's a human emotion. It was not just the disciples that were dealing with this. It was not just their struggle. Every one of us face these things in life. Those moments in time where it's not going the way we think it should go. I mean, we've had two years of, of things not being exactly like we thought they should be. We've had all sorts of things going on in our world lately that leave us to believe that I'm not as certain about things as I once thought I was. And it's in those moments, it's in the moment right now in which we stand, that moment in which the disciples were there, that Jesus says to us, let not your heart be troubled. I don't want you to be worried and concerned that somehow what's going on around you or on this present world is going to hinder what I have planned for you. What I've got in store for you, man cannot stop. What I've got in store for you, trouble and heartache and pain and brokenness and uncertainty of these days cannot hinder. It was weighing on their minds. Jesus was simply trying to shift their eyes from the earthly mindset to a heavenly mindset. He was just trying to get them to understand that although your city may be subject to trouble, and we've seen that here in Indianapolis, we've had more shootings and more murders this past year than we have ever had. We've seen more drug overdoses and people that have lost their life by those overdoses than we've ever seen. It is true, our city can be troubled. And we know for those of us that have faith health issues and what we've seen around the globe the last few years, our health can be troubled. And even though we hate to see it sometimes, our family can be troubled. Circumstances around us can be troubled. But Jesus is saying, while all of that can be troubled, let not your heart be troubled. Don't allow those things to begin to, to take hold of your heart or of your mind to make you feel like the uncertainty of this world somehow transcends to an uncertainty of what we have to come. What is already settled in heaven is settled. Let not your heart be troubled, he said. Revelations 21, 1 through 6 gives us a little glimpse into what heaven looks like. We don't know a lot about heaven. There's more that we don't know than we do know. But what we hear about here in Revelation 21 gets me excited. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, 
coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Everything that causes pain, everything that causes sorrow is going to be wiped away. It's not going to be existent when we get to our eternal destination. There'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more pain. The tears will be wiped away and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Those things that we understood and experienced while here on earth will be gone. While we're here, we are subject to the trials of this life. This is a broken world. This world cause has separation due to sin and we have to live in it. Our bodies are mortal. They don't live forever. They decay. They break down. We get older. We have struggles with our health. And even though we face all of the heartache and all of the pain in this life, we do it out of obedience, pushing through it because we know that God has something for us. And we come to church when we're being faithful, when we're hurting and when we're not hurting. We come to church and we worship God when we have loss or when we have great gain. We come to church and we worship God and we pray together and we acknowledge him when everything is going right and when everything's falling apart. And that's how it has to be done in this life. But he said, the old things will pass away. When we step into heaven, there's no more battles to fight. There's no more wars going on. There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. No more death. All of that passes away and we are left with just us and him. In his presence forever. Oh, won't it be worth it all? When we fight our way through this life by the strength of the Holy Ghost so that one day we can stand before him in the presence of our Savior for all of eternity. And he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. The plan of salvation, the victory over God's enemies, the creation of a new heaven and a new earth will then be fully realized. It will be an altogether new experience for us. And everything that we endured here on earth will be worth it. Jesus wants us to take our eyes off the earthly and lift our heads to the heavens for a glimpse of what we have promised to us. I'll admit, I've been days, I've been weeks, I've even been months before without ever thinking about my heavenly reward. Happens all the time. 
Now listen, understand what I'm saying. I'm praying. I'm, I'm fasting. I'm coming to church. I'm living for God. I'm thinking, Lord, how do we reach our city? God, how do we push back against the darkness that's overcoming the lives of people who are just succumbed by addiction and by hate and by violence? I'm thinking about all of those things. How are we going to get Sunday school going right, God? How are we going to have the revival that you have planned for us? How are we going to disciple all of the people that you are going to bring? But in all of that thinking, and all of that focus, I lose sight of my heavenly promise. If I just keep focused on just what's here, it may not be long before I start to think that maybe the fight's not worth it. That's why Jesus is saying, listen, fellas, quit thinking about what's going on around you. I'm explaining to you how I'm going to leave. I'm explaining to you how I'm going to send a comforter. I'm explaining to you how I'm going to be with you always. He goes on to talk about how greater works than what you've seen you shall do. He's giving them a lot of good news, but he's telling them the only way all of this adds up is if you take your eyes off of this world. If you quit being focused on what's going on around you, you know, you can't listen. We can't get so busy in doing the work of God that we don't spend time with God. We can't get so busy and focused on how we're going to do the day to day actions that we take our eyes off of and we forget that everything that I'm doing here on earth is so that I can get to there to be with him. Come on, the fight of our faith is not meant to last forever. Look, you can admit this. You can admit it. Brother Walker, sometimes we get tired. Oh, come on. Who, who will raise their hand and say, sometimes I get weary. Sometimes I feel like I just can't carry on. It is true. We're battling as long as we're here on earth. We're battling. The flesh is warring against the spirit. The Holy Ghost that lives in us is doing his very best to speak to us and guide us, but he never forces anything on us. So it all comes back to me choosing to obey. And if I'm not careful, the challenges of this life, the weight of this life, the pain of this life, the brokenness of this life can cause me to start to wonder, is it even worth the fight? That's why we got to remind ourselves. That's why I can't go weeks or months anymore without thinking of the place he has prepared for me. I've got to remember we're going somewhere. This earth is not our home, not my final destination. God has a place prepared for us. Only him. Only he could do it. When we think about a destination, that's the first thing we must do when we're going to travel. Where's our destination? Jesus outlined it. Your final destination is heaven. Your final destination is eternity with me. Your final destination will be where there's no need for a sun or a moon because the light from our Savior will shine so bright. A final destination where the streets that we consider so common here on earth 
made up of asphalt and rock and dirt and gravel and, and rebar. And we don't even pay attention to them. We just use them as a means to get us from point A to point B. There's no substance of value found in our streets. But Jesus said that which you is the least of things on earth, I will take the gold I will take gold, something that is so precious and so valuable to you on earth, and that will become what is least in heaven. The least in heaven. I'm convinced that sometimes we go too long without thinking about what it's going to be like to be in his presence, to be worshiping holy, 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 mighty, mighty, mighty God, you're good to be there with our brothers and with our sisters to not have to fight the fight anymore. God has prepared a place for us. So the next question we have to ask ourselves is, how do we get there? You've got this destination planned for us, Lord. How do we get there? We go on in chapter 14 and, and he says to, to the disciples, he says to them, you know where I'm going in verse four. And the way you know. Jesus, after spending time with them, expected them, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. Now, Thomas says, I don't really know, Lord. And then he begins to speak to him and talk to him about this subject. They banter back and forth as, as Christ is trying to help him to understand how to get where he's going. But in verse six, it's kind of simply put, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. How do I get there? Jesus. We can make it as complicated as we want, but for people that have never experienced him before, the first thing they need to know is it's going to take Jesus. If you're going to get anywhere in a relationship with God, you're going to have to go through Christ. If you're going to find forgiveness of your sins, it's only going to be found in the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be empowered to be able to survive in this life and make it through to sit with eternity with the Father and to be there to worship, then it's going to be by the infilling of his spirit. That's what it's going to take. It boils down for me to something as simple as us executing the power that God gave us from the beginning. Before any one of us knew him, before any one of us served him, he gave us this power deep within us. Every person is born with the power of choice. The power of choice. Within choice, you can determine your future. You look at someone's choices and you can decide and figure out where they're going to end up. Choices are what develop our life. Choices are what, who we become. Our choices, our choices. You know, the enemy would love nothing more than to get us to believe that we don't have a choice. He wants us to believe that we don't have a choice in the matter, that we're too far gone, we've made too many mistakes, or we've drifted too far since he first accepted us for us to choose to come back. 
That's not the case at all. At any time, at any place, we get to choose. It's up to us. My choice. Your choice. And no one can take the choice from us. We have it. God gave it to us. Now he will try the enemy to make us feel like we don't have a choice. You've ever had a situation, if you have kids, we haven't had dinner yet. Dessert is out. It's there. It is to be consumed at a later time. You walk away for a while because there's still some hours between now and dinner time and you come back only to find somebody has eaten some dessert. I won't say which kid it is, but he In that moment, he can go from eating that dessert to spinning a tale to me of how he had no choice. Dad, I was here. The cake was there. Nobody was around. He had to do it. There's consequences with our choices. All of our choices carry great consequences. Sometimes they're minimal consequences. Sometimes they're gigantic consequences. But every choice has consequences. When Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, I go to prepare a place for you. I am preparing an eternity for you. Then he leaves in our hands is the created being to decide what we will choose. Do I want to spend eternity in a place where there's no more sorrow, no more pain, no more heartache? Do I want to do that? Yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to do that. But somehow this life in this world can have us feeling like the choice really is not ours. It really can. Here's how the enemy does it. He comes at us and he says, the choices you have already made make this choice for you impossible. You chose to live a life that was satisfying to your flesh. You partied your high school years away. You became an adult. You partied your adult years away. You did everything you could to please yourself. You bought bigger cars or bigger houses, nicer cars. You worked the late hours. It was all about you, you, you. And now you think just because you heard about Jesus that you can make a switch and choose to serve him. That's what the enemy puts in our minds. That's what he does to people. Maybe that's not you, but somewhere in your walk with God, he has been speaking to you about your choices. He has. If you're living for God right now, you're making choices every day to do so. If you're going to grow in Christ, you're going to make choices every day to continue to grow. 
And every day the enemy's going to try to convince you that choice is one you can't make. I know the spirit is moving. I know God is doing something great, but you cannot walk out of your pew down to that altar and lift your hands and pray after you've never done it for 15 years. This is how he interrupts what God is trying to doing, do here on earth while we're on our journey to eternity. He plays that out in our minds. You can't ask for help. You can't walk down to the altar, prayer for the sick when there's somebody really needing it in your family because you've never went down before. It's how he attacks us. But know that it is an attack. He's trying to hinder you because he knows that if you make the right choice, Man, if we make the right choice, we invite the power and prestige of Almighty God to feel our life, our circumstances. He can do anything we need him to do if we make the right choice. We get to decide. We get to decide. We get to decide. Look to your neighbor. Tell him you get to decide. Turn to your other neighbor. You get to decide. I'm tired of the enemy trying to convince us we don't have a voice. Trying to convince us that we don't have a choice. God is standing by trying to encourage us right now. The decision is yours. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, today you can choose to do so. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, today you can choose to surrender your life and welcome him to fill you. If you've never been relieved from addiction or depression or anxiety, today you can choose to let God take it. The choice is yours. For the rest of our life, we're going to be making choices. Stand with me. I remember, and I'll never forget what it was like to make the choice to surrender my life to Christ. I'll never forget. It just stands out. I was so broken and so distraught that when he came, and when he touched my life and when he transformed my heart, it was significant. Significant. I knew it happened. It was instantaneous for me. And all these things in my life that were causing me to be weighed down, that were causing me to self-destruct, started to just disappear. God just started to take them. They prepared me that there was a decision that needed to be made. By they, I mean the church. The preaching prepared me that if I wanted my life to be changed and to have an experience with Christ, I needed to make a decision. It had to happen. What I was not prepared for was all of the decisions that would be required every day thereafter. 
I've never held back my testimony. So we all know that shortly after receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I went off to serve time in prison for crimes that I committed. Two key moments where I remember God requiring of me to make a choice. The first one, I get off the bus and I'm walking, heading to the dorms for that facility. While we're walking, the guards are walking with us. Somebody approaches the line of inmates that I'm in. And you know, there's lines. It's, it's not supposed to happen like that. But the guard doesn't seem to mind. And he walks right past him. He comes up to me and, and he talks to me and he stands next to me and he walks with me all the way to the dorm. In prison, people stick together by their race. Prison is broken. It's full of hurting people. And hurting people do things like that. Separate by their race. So I'm Juan Lopez III. I speak no Spanish, by the way. <laughs> For many years, I pronounced my name Juan, which Brother Vite corrected me recently. It's Juan. None of that mattered to this guy. He followed me all the way back to my dorm. I set my bag down. He was explaining to me how things worked. I'm less than two months in Holy Ghost filled. I knew when I went to prison that I needed the Holy Ghost. I prayed and prayed and prayed at this altar specifically. God, I'm going to prison. Don't let me go alone. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. And so that choice had been made, but then he's telling me how they offer protection and how we stick together and how if I am not with them, then I am against them. All my worldly possessions were in my pillowcase that I was hauling over my shoulder. And so I reached in and I pulled out my Bible and I told him, God has transformed my life. I want to please him. He laughed it off, talked a little bit, and then he left. For weeks and weeks and weeks, they continued to come after me and talk to me. Continued to ask me to be part of what they were doing. Wanted me to, to be part of their group, their gang. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. God gave me the strength to continue to make the right choice. I had to decide. It's easy for me to tell that story. It was totally different being in that moment, 19 years of age. But God protected me. And you know what happened? Those guys watched me as I stayed in this book. Every chance I had, I was in this book. Every Bible study that someone else taught, I was right there with them. I wanted to get to know the God that was saving my life. So I spent time with them. I'm going to hurry up. I spent time with them. And they came on Cinco de Mayo. The Hispanics in this prison ran the prison. So I was not just saying no to a gang. I was saying no to the gang. 
But they had watched me as God had been working in my life. And eventually they started to back off and left me alone. And, and when Cinco de Mayo came, they shut the entire prison down. The entire prison closed. Everyone was forced to their dorms. Except they released everyone that was part of this gang. They came down to the kitchen and they cooked a feast. A feast. Everyone was in the prisons looking through the windows, wondering what was going on. Until the guard walked over, came in our dorm, and came and found me. He had with him one of the leaders of the gang. Comes up to me. I'm like, man, I've had months with no problems. Here we go. And he said, we want you to come and we want you to pray before we eat. <clears throat> now that story ended really well. Two minutes, I promise. Two and a half minutes. <laughs> Standing in commissary line, Three or four months into my time. I've been trying to serve God. Prison food, if you can imagine, not very good. Not very good. So you got a chance to get good food by purchasing it for very steep prices from commissary. But you would wait sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours in line to get from where you started to the window to claim your food. I remember this day I was standing in line and it had been over an hour. Standing there waiting patiently. And then somebody walks up from the middle of the room. This is a big room. It's a gymnasium full of men and walks right in front of me and just cuts me right in line. I started to talk to him and just kind of explain, hey, you know, I've been here a while. And uh, before I could get those words out of my mouth, he turned around and he was saying words back to me that were not very friendly. And so he's this man in front of me. If you can imagine this as well, he was smaller than me. And he was cussing like I had never heard. And he was this close to my face. And there were hundreds of grown men serving time for all sorts of crimes, standing around watching. And in a split second, I had to choose. Who do I want to be? so I decided to sit there and for the next minute or so felt like an eternity allow this man to call me everything under the sun and then he turned around and for the next hour I stood behind him while we waited in that line here's what I want you to know that choice cost me Hundreds of men looked at me like I was a coward. Looked at me like I was someone that could be taken advantage of. I told you we were in prison, right? That's how 
Everyone in that room viewed me in that moment. But there was one that couldn't be more proud. My choice was that if I was going to please anyone, it's going to be him. So right now, as I open up this altar, I invite you. What choice is it that you need to make? What have you been wrestling that that choice might cost you? Why haven't you made that decision yet? If you're in this place and you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, oh, I'm telling you, you're missing one of the greatest gifts known to man. When your sins get washed away, when everything that you've done in your past has been forgiven, I'm telling you, today is the day to make that choice. There's nothing like it. But maybe you're not here with that choice because you've been living for God all your life. But you know, God is a jealous God. He wants more. He wants more. He desires more. And so today, we decide, where will our choice take us? This altar's open. I'm inviting you to come down here. Bring, bring, bring your choices to God. Bring your choices to Him. Ask Him to help you to make the right choice, to give you the strength to make the decision that you know you should make, but you're just not sure that you can. Ask God to help you to choose to give your life to Him when things are going good and when things are going bad. God, today I want to choose. I want to make the choice you have for me, Lord. Help us to see it, God.